For this episode, I've picked peaches, peaches, peaches. Lots of sugar is as critical to a good peach as it is to a drive-in movie date. I'm an experienced peach vendor. I don't have a degree, but I did my basic training under Peggy Powers and had advanced instruction under Miller Coggins and Ron Froge, plus lots of experience in the field. Sorry, I mean orchard. For those of you not born under the shade of a Georgia Bell tree, let me give you a little geography lesson. Fort Mill's old peach stand, the ramshackle open front clapboard building at the corner of 160 and 21 business, was cobbled together across the street on the site where the new peach stand is now. I first worked there when I was just a pup of 13 or 14. In that pre-I-77 era, Highway 21 was the main thoroughfare between Columbia and Charlotte, and then through North Carolina into Virginia. Tourists returning from Florida got to know Springs Farm as the last chance to take a couple of pecks of tree-ripened peaches back home to the family. When the new peach stand was built, the old building was dragged across the road. I cast no aspersions on the new peach stand or the fresh market. They're a great addition to Fort Mill area, but the real peach experience is all about atmosphere. Along with Big Ernie's fireworks and Stucky's pecan logs, tourists love the authentic southern produce stand experience. In my 20s, I began a career as a teacher and consequently had to supplement my income with a summer job. My friend Miller Coggins was running the Springs Farm at the time and hired me on for summer work. Please note that I was hired to sell peaches from a blazing hot stand for just above minimum wage. You would think as a friend, he would have made me an executive. The situation worked out well though. Miller didn't like to pay anybody and I didn't like to work. I'm a quick study and it didn't take me long to let my education go and speak in a slow drawl. A big smile and an all shucks attitude sell a lot of produce. Often on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, the family would take Grandma or Aunt Tilly for an outing. Every Aunt Tilly loved roadside stands and were proud to enlighten their families on the finer points of picking out fruits and vegetables. No one could pinch holes in peaches or strip a dozen ears of Silver Queen corn like Aunt Tilly. She would also lecture the family on how to smell test a cantaloupe or pick out a sweet watermelon. Sometimes Tilly would have the family gather around while she switched out the best peaches from two or three baskets. Aunt Tilly used the thumb test. If you could punch your thumb into a peach, it was too ripe. If you couldn't, it was hard as a rock. Coming to the counter with an embarrassed son-in-law carrying an overloaded, delicately balanced basket, she was shameless and would look you in the eye and tell you the price was too high and that peck baskets used to be bigger. Are these Albertas or Georgia Bells? She'd always ask. Usually they weren't. Dozens of new varieties were developed over the years. There were peaches that had been developed from the Alberta, but that actual strain was almost extinct. Springs Farm did have a small orchard of Georgia Bells for sentimental reasons, but no one was planting new ones. 
you have probably heard that peaches aren't what they used to be. There's more than a grain of truth to that. Those incredibly sweet peaches of the past had no shelf life. The Georgia Bells, white-fleshed peaches that were far too sweet for my taste, had a shelf life of a day. They were brought in firm and orchard fresh at about 10 o'clock, and by the end of the day, in the sun, they looked like they were used for a pickup baseball game. They were well into turning brown and dents showed up wherever they'd been touched. It's not good business to throw out peck baskets of peaches every afternoon. Peach developers learned to trade some sweetness for shelf life. I just may champion the movement for heirloom peaches. The Silver Queen corn we sold has its own mythology. It has, for those who've never had my mother's cream corn, very small, sweet, white kernels, and the ears always seem too slim to have filled out. Like the peaches, all that sugar means the shelf life is minimal. The old saw is that mama, the iconic southern one in an apron, would tell the nearest child, go out to the garden and pick a dozen ears of Silver Queen, then run straight back into the house. If you stumble and drop them, go back and get a dozen fresh ears. The local Aunt Tilly's would always know when the Silver Queen crop was ready. Once the picking began and the corn was in at the peach stand, they would ask what time it was picked. If half a day passed, they would sit and wait till the next load was brought in. I have seen the pickup truck come in from the farm with burlap sacks bulging with Silver Queen, followed by three or four cars full of somebody's grandmothers and aunts. Some days at the peach stand were unbearably hot and humid. In an open air market, when the wind doesn't blow, shirts get soaked. Often I would bring in an extra t-shirt so that when one was soaked with sweat, I could change. On one particularly hot July 4th, three of us were working in that old wooden incinerator and no one was happy about it. It was so hot that customers stayed away in droves. About three, the hottest part of the afternoon, a dusty blue Ford Explorer pulled up. The door opened and I heard a voice say, come here, Mike. I got to the SUV and Ms. Close, owner of the stand, the orchards and the farm, handed me a half gallon of vanilla ice cream. I took it and she followed me into the building. I carried the ice cream because she was carrying a fresh blackberry cobbler, berries picked and pie baked by herself. That was and is the way Ann Close does things. Suddenly the world was not so bad and the songs of bluebirds filled the air. We were awed by her kindness and thanked her over and again. However, once we dug in, we knew there was not enough gratitude in three counties for that cobbler and ice cream. Once while I was working the stand, someone found a dead body half a mile away. Local TV channels were swarming the area and couldn't find anyone to interview. Eventually they wandered over to the stand and asked me if I'd make a statement. I don't know anything, I told them. Neither does anyone else, but we have a deadline. I did the interview. I told them I didn't know much, but we usually didn't have dead people turning up around here. They ran the story, and on Monday morning in the Chester High School Teachers Lounge, I heard about it. We saw you on television wearing your overalls and looking like you just fed the chickens, one teacher said. No one disagreed. 
here's the fun part for the interview. I had on a baseball cap, a t-shirt, and shorts. People see what they expect to see. Sometimes Aunt Tilly's lessons don't get through. There are basically two types of peaches, freestone and cling. Freestone peaches, if cut around the longitude, come easily away from the pit. Cling peaches don't. Some peaches are called semi-cling. I think that's just nonsense. Aunt Tilly would always ask if the peaches were cling-free, meaning freestone. Once a middle-aged man, sounding very put upon, asked if the peaches were cling-free. I could see he'd been sent on a mission. Mama says they have to be cling-free or not to get them. Don't worry, I told him. They're cling-free. He leaned in so nobody could hear him and asked, What does that mean? Y'all enjoy these peaches now and stop by next time you're passing through. Let me add that no actual Aunt Tilly's were harmed in the writing of this episode. And any resemblance to any Aunt Tilly, living or dead, is purely coincidence. Coincidence.